Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 277 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever it would seem, by the former heavyweight world title challenger, one of my very good friends. It is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? All good, my friend. Always good when speaking with you. This week's show will be um, pretty much back to normal, I guess, in terms of the layout. It's going to start with the review part. Then we're going to do the news in part one. Then we're going to welcome our first guest, which will be the reigning WBO super featherweight world champion, Jamel Herring. We speak to him, of course, before his fight later this month against Carl Frampton in London. Uh, Then we will start part two with the preview part, and we will also do the lockdown knockdown, which Eddie speaks about, uh, you know, the time he came to the UK and had a bunch of fights over here, the time he knocked someone out for the first time in a few years, and then the the show will end on an interview with the undefeated 3-0 prospect from Mayweather Promotions, Malik Warren. He's 3-0 with three KOs. He's been out the ring for just over a year, and he returns to action uh, very soon so we'll be speaking to him and it's good to have a prospect on because we haven't had a prospect on for a long long time but anyway with no further ado let's get on to the review part we're going to start here um last week on friday at the next door arena it could have been next door but no it was in tanzania over here one fight to mention we had a guy called vicar peter Mororo. He is now 29 and 10. He was TKO'd in the ninth round against Tavel Pulev. That's the younger brother of Kubrat. He's now 16 and 0 with 13 KOs. Um, he is a cruiserweight. And, yeah, he's 38 years of age now, just turned 38 in January to Pulev. Not quite sure he's going to be able to do anything in the sport because he is quite up there in age in terms of, uh, you know, he hasn't really had many fights and he's up there in age, like I say. Um, Moving now to the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, USA, the Don King Promotions card. And it was very, very strange and unique just typical Don King style I'm taking uh, a guess here Eddie and saying you probably didn't watch this oh uh, who was on the car it was you know Don King when uh, Stavern fought Trevor Bryan oh no I don't think I've seen that no. okay uh, well, obviously no because okay. I was I was because I did watch something I did watch one of the fights uh Saturday obviously the the one that most people probably yeah. watch but yeah it was uh interesting but no I guess not the Don King one. okay I didn't actually see it either, and I've heard, I think it was about $20 to watch this card. So I didn't didn't watch it, and um, I'm going to tell the listeners and yourself a few things that apparently happened um, on this card here. So firstly, Don King had quite an interesting 
uh, ring mat. On his ring mat, he had the words, Only in America, I love the American people, I love America, we shall overcome. Uh, that was his message on on the ring apron, on the ring mat there. Nate Campbell, he's been on the show during the lockdown. We spoke to him um, at some point in 2020. Um, great interview with, with with Nate Campbell. I like the guy. He was doing the commentary, and at one point he apparently said that any man who has a back tattoo can take a punch, which <laughs> a lot of people were laughing at that one. Um, there was also a a fight on the card in which the announcer said that all three judges had the fight exactly the same. It was a four-round contest where apparently all three judges had it 40-39, which means that there were three 10-10 rounds on all three judges' scorecards. So I think there must have been a mix-up there. And apparently... After the, after again, uh, this this is not confirmed. This is just something that someone told me. Apparently, after doing the introductions, um, they they introduced the you know the fighters for the main event. They didn't bring out the fighters um, straight away. They decided to announce them to the ring before they came out, and then decided to put on a fight between uh, Julio Cesar Chavez and, and Frankie Randall. Uh, some old footage, which which is just bizarre. But um, anyway, we you know you know how Don King is. Um, anyway, getting on to the the actual fights themselves, nothing really worth mentioning on the undercard. But the main event, Bermain Stavern, twenty five and four with a draw going in. It was for the vacant WBA World Heavyweight Title, which is another thing that's really bizarre. I'm not sure what's gone on there. I don't know if Char has been stripped or, or, or there's been some new belt that the WBA have brought in for, 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 for some kind of period. I have got no idea. People are, are in uproar that there was a title on the line here, especially when Bermain Stavern hasn't won a fight since he beat Derek Rossi just over five years ago. Um, so he was fighting for, for a vacant world title. Trevor Bryan, obviously 20-0 and going in with 15 KOs. He was able to get the knockout in the 11th round. Trevor Bryan knocks out Bermain Stavern in the 11th round of a scheduled 12. Um, Stavern was down twice in the fight as well. And Trevor Bryan now 21-0. and He's the WBA world heavyweight champion. Um, yeah, the less said on that, the better. The less said on that, the better. Um, sorry, Eddie, what'd you say? I said, wow. <laughs> really? Yep. Are you kidding me? He did well, he did well to knock out Stavern, though, I think. You know, that's uh, that's not no easy thing to do, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know, man. And then I'm not trying to say Derek Ross, he's not, you know, was not a, you know, quality opponent or anything like that for him. I mean, but for me, Derek, Derek is... And I'm I'm gonna go on record saying he was a tough guy. You know what I mean? He 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 fought to his full potential. He did everything he could, and for him to be able to do what he did, almost knocking out Stavern, is a good thing. I'm not saying it wasn't, but when I seen that happen, and he was in there fighting a guy like Derek, I wouldn't ass- I would assume. Now, I'm once again not knocking myself down, but I would assume that. He's a little on the downside of, you know, there was beating him that easily. And if the decision was that close and he almost got knocked out in the fight, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. You know I mean? I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure mm. what the situation is with him now, but for Trevor Bryant to, to, to stop him, 
being, I guess he's a pretty good puncher, I wouldn't think it would be too far out of the realm of possibilities. You know what I mean? Just considering where he's where he is now in his career, Stavrung I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, like we say, the less said, the better. I think that's probably the end of the road for Mamain Stavern. He's now 42 years of age, um, but he has had three fights for, for world titles in his last, uh, his last five fights, which is mad. Um, he lost, obviously, to, to Deontay Wilder on points in 2015. He came back with that fight against Derek Rossi in which he won then he came back got stopped by Wilder again for the world title in the first round then he came back and got stopped over here to Joe Joyce and then he's come back after uh, almost two entire years out of the ring to box Trevor Bryan and yeah he lost the fight but anyway all the best to big big beware I do actually like Bermain Stavern he's, he's, he's a nice guy anyway Moving out now to Australia at the Entertainment Centre in New South Wales. Friend of the show, Billy Dibb, now 47-6. and six. He was indeed fighting a debutant who I think was a pro kickboxer slash my tie fighter or boxer or whatever. Um, and yeah, Billy Dibb was able to stop him in round seven um, of their fight there. So all the best there to Billy Dibb. Um, moving out now to... Let's go... Yeah, let's go out stateside to that fight. I think it's probably the the only one left really worth mentioning. Um, Caleb versus Caleb for the IBF World Super Middleweight title. Plant defended successfully his title. 21-0 now. Caleb Truax in the other corner. 31-5 now with two draws. It pretty much went the way I thought we'd go. I thought Caleb Truax would... um, would would you know tough it out and Caleb Plant is the all-round better fighter he is the guy that's you know that's young that's sharp that's that's still kind of on the come up i think Caleb Truex has had his time and he's a good fighter you know he's he's a good guy i, I don't mean that harshly for Truex but Caleb Plant i always thought would do quite well to stop Truex cuz he has been in there with some top quality guys i remember his first loss came to jermaine taylor i mean that's a name from the past almost but um yeah caleb plant with an expected win i think um tell me about that one Eddie. oh man it was uh it was good it was interesting i mean right from the get-go in my opinion you could see the the level of uh talent and speed and just overall ability in general was with caleb plant caleb truex you could see he was the kind of guy that was going to have to tough it out like you said he was going to have to be, if he could be, busy and in his face and willing to take one or two to give one. You know what I mean? But I just don't think he had enough pop to really not say get the respect, because I think you can get the respect from Caleb Plant if he landed some good shots, but to get him out of there, maybe one shot, two shots, or just being the kind of, you know, being overly aggressive, take not overly aggressive, but, you know, being aggressive and just uh, landing good shots. I just didn't think that he was going to be able to do it. Plus, Caleb Plant was a little too, too. It was definitely too fast. A little bit. His ring savvy was a little too much. That you know, for for uh, Caleb um, Truex at this point. So I mean, it it went just like you would expect it to go. After a while, you would start to think, and this is what a lot of the guys is, it, that you know are commentating and just different people over the years would have thought is that the further the fight goes, the worse it's going to be for Caleb Plant, not because, you know, the guy's going to become dangerous late, but because he's not stopping him. You know what I mean? Most people are like, yo, you got to stop this guy now. You know what I mean? You've done everything else to him. 
you're outclassing him. You're the better fighter. You're the younger fighter. You got all these things in your favor. Why are you not stopping this guy before the bell's over, before the fight's over? You understand what I'm saying? And then, so don't get me wrong. Like, I, I appreciated what he did. But there's going to be people out there that are going to say, oh, I don't know about his power or I don't know about his finishing ability. There's always going to be detractors. So, But I thought he looked great. I thought he did what he's supposed to do. You know, he, and then I think he had broke his hand or hurt his hand during the course of the fight, too, which obviously played a part in him not getting him out of there. But he uh, he looked good out there. He did what he was supposed to. Jab. Had, at one point, he led like, I don't know, five or six jabs straight, just bang, clean. And you could just see the speed advantage and skill advantage just so far to the to, to his in his favor. And, um, you know, like, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. He's just got to be he's got to be careful who he runs into and at what time he does. But he's a good yeah, he's a good young fighter and he should do well going forward. Yeah, absolutely. There are many big fights for him down the line. Um, I'm going to run through my assessment real quick. The first round, I felt that Caleb Plant won the round. It was just pretty much a feel-out round. Uh, Truax was struggling to land anything of note. Plant was just popping out the jab nicely, nice and consistently. Round two, more of the same, really. Plant had success with his left hook towards the end of the round. Caleb Truax was struggling to get in range. He was choosing to stand on the outside. Uh, but it's like his arms weren't really long enough. I didn't think that was ever going to be his game. Round three, Caleb Plant was beating Truax to the punch. Truax's timing looked really off to me. He, he was also just looking really basic, really, uh, you know, amateurish. Uh, round four, Plant started to bust Truax up. Truax had a bloodied up nose. Truax had no answer for Plant's left hand, whether whether that be a hook or an uppercut or a jab. He couldn't see it coming at, at any point. He, not that his eye was closed up or anything like that. He just couldn't see, couldn't block it at all um and yeah it was it was quite disappointing really from Truax at that point I, I was starting to think he looks quite old even perhaps you know a bit shot maybe uh round five and six were pretty much the same again round seven the same again lackluster performance from Truax Plant was doing whatever he wanted to do uh the stoppage looked like it could have came but um Plant didn't seem to really want to take any unnecessary risks and I completely understand that um especially when there's no fans in attendance as well, by the way. Round eight, uh, probably the best round of the fight. Truax finally went balls to the wall a tiny bit. I still think Plant won the round. Uh, round nine, 10, 11, and 12 were pretty much exactly the same. Um, Plant on my card, 120, 108, just as I expected, but perhaps not as easy as I thought it would be. A complete shutout, like I say. I think Truax should probably retire... Um, which I know can sound harsh. He was on the show a few weeks ago. Like I say, one of the coolest guys. I really like the guy, but he had nothing. Um, not even one thing over Plant. He looked slow. His timing was bad, like I say. He, he looked like he didn't have much power. He didn't look like he had any variety. It was just up and down, basic, slow feet, bad defense, and he just looked washed up. He had nothing. I don't want to see him stick around in this sport too long and start getting knocked out. Um, he's, you know, he's lucky, I think, that Plant wasn't a bigger puncher. I think Plant outlanded him at the end on the punch stats by about three times the amount what Truex uh, landed, which which is crazy. Um, and yeah, what's next for, for, for Caleb Plant? I mean, there are big fights for him out there. there there's still talk of the Canelo fight, but it looks like Canelo's going to be boxing Billy Joe Saunders before that. So who should he fight in the interim? It's a mad one, really, Eddie. And I don't want to go too off topic here, speaking about uh, speaking about you know Plant and what he may do or may not do. But he's in a position where I think 
some people are getting a little bit sick and tired of him because he, he went in there, he beat Jose Uzcata guy for the world title. Uh, that was such a brilliant, um, you know, impressive performance because Uzcata guy was a guy that was avoided. He was a guy that, you know, obviously fought, uh, I think it was Anthony or Andre Durrell. I think it was Andre Durrell. And, um, you know, Uzcata guy was a bit of a danger man. There's talk that James DeGaulle vacated the belt because he didn't want to fight him. Then, you know, Caleb Plant gets in there, drops him a couple of times, beats him unanimously in the end, really um, dominated him. And then his defenses since then have been quite poor. He boxed Mike Lee. Yeah, he was undefeated, but he'd never been at that level. He stopped him in three rounds. It wasn't the most exciting thing. Uh, the press conferences were actually more kind of exciting, I think, than that fight. Then he boxed Germany's Vincent Feigenbutz, who, you know... <laughs> Not everyone's a you know a big fan of his. He's 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 quite basic to be honest with you, and then he's 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 fought Caleb Truax, a fight where not many people gave Truax a chance. Um, I tried to when when Truax was on the show, I tried to be honest with him and say, look, um, you know you've got a chance here because you have had you fought the much better people than 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 Plant. You're probably the best opponent Plant has fought. Because, like I said, his his defences had been quite poor. And it's a name for his resume. It definitely is. It's a good name. It's probably his best win, actually, Caleb Plant. But it wasn't a, you know, a blow-your-socks-off type of win again. And, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to risk it in his next fight, which he'll need to have another fight before, if he does end up getting the Canelo golden ticket later on in the year... He's going to have to fight because Canelo's fighting at the end of this month. Then he's got this fight with Billy Joe, I think, in May. He's going to probably fight again at some point in the in the later part of the year. But there's going to have to be um, a fight for Caleb Plant in that interim period. And I don't think it's going to be against someone who he could risk getting that big payday. So it's going to be another guy that is, is considered a bit of a weak defense. Um I don't know if I've asked you a question in there or anything. It's just a bit of a sticky situation he's found himself in, I think. Yeah, you mean with Killer Plant? Yeah, it's just, it's gonna be tough. You know what I mean? And for me, it's like like looking at when you once you've had such quote unquote soft competition, to then all of a sudden take it from there and shoot it all the way up to Canelo is gonna be kind of like a a process to to really you know to to really deal with. So, but then you don't want to take like you said in the interim before that actually happens or before there's you no know, there's time there's time for another fight in between. You don't like you said you don't want to take anything too risky because you don't want to ruin your opportunity but you don't want to go in there with canelo unprepared so it is like a is a little how do you what do you do you know what i mean what do you do if i'm him you got to take it easy you got to take it easy because you're not trying to ruin your opportunity you know what i mean get in there with somebody that you know that is you know a challenge enough to you know that can get in there and then people they will okay but uh to 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 just try to like get in there with a real quality opponent like uh, another top fighter another champion or something like that would not be a good idea not it would not be advisable at this point so if he's gonna get the Canelo fight just get ready for that you know what I mean get into a, get a, get to a, get another guy in there who's gonna give you some work something like a true X something something at that level and and just handle business and be ready for Canelo when it's time it's a tough thing man I think for me it's like I, I like you see my you see my journey, you know what I mean from 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 uh, before I fought Vladimir. So there was no every each one of those fights were dangerous. So I was just work, working my way toward them. That's the way I looked at it. But for these guys nowadays, you have to be careful. 
you got to make sure you keep your, you know, your, your, your record intact and your, your, and the ability to obviously fight a guy, the fight, the guy that you're looking to fight as far as like a big money fight, you got to just keep it intact. So that's the way, I mean, listen to, you know, going off of what you're saying, basically, Joe, he has to do it. He has to do that. Yeah, and, and concentrating on the undercard a little bit here. Um, a good win on the undercard for Joey Spencer. He's now 12-0. and 0, um, A good knockout for him in the very first round against Isaiah Seldom, who also had two points deducted for an intentional foul, hitting behind the head in the very first round, and he was down twice in that first round. So he was stopped there. Isaiah Seldon, who's now 14-4 and with a draw, a bit of trivia here. He is the son of former WBA heavyweight world champion Bruce Seldon. So he was brutally knocked out there. Um, Rancis Bartholomew, he picked up a win, another boring win, unfortunately for him. He's 28-1 and with a draw, a complete shutout against Ali Rivera, who's now 21-5. and That was over 10 rounds. And Michael Polite Coffey, um, a win for him, a KO in the third round against Damani Rock. Um, both men, like I say, were undefeated going in. Polite Coffee now 12-0. and uh, Damani Rock down twice in that third round, and it was waved off by referee Jack Reese. Quite disappointing from Damani Rock. He looked like he was in shocking shape, um, really bad shape. Yep. Um, but I raced onto his, you know, onto his box wreck because I was thinking, surely that's probably the career heaviest he's ever come in at because he looked awful. But to my surprise... And and you've seen the fight, Eddie. So I'm, you said, yeah. I'm guessing you you think he came in yep. in bad shape as well. That is actually the lightest he has weighed since 2017, and in that time he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other fights where he's weighed heavier than he did on Saturday night, which is bizarre. Wow. Wow. Because he was, just to let you know the 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 numbers, he was 261 on Saturday night. He's actually weighed in um, in 2019 as high as 289. What? 289? Listen, I know the kid, really talented, boxed well in the gym with me. You know, I mean, I was trying to work with him and, you know, help him out different ways with, um, you know, just information, just helping him with sparring, getting him ready for fights. But I've always heard things about, you know, you know his, his out-the-ring life was a little bit turbulent. So, you know what I mean? It's always like, ah, I don't know. You know, he's got the size, he's got the skill, the speed, all of those things he would have, right? But he, he obviously doesn't train properly. And I didn't realize how bad he was, he was well, how bad a condition he was in. Until I saw the fight, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, now... I didn't know what you just told me, Joe, is that he was even worse in other fights. So what I'm thinking is, damn, he probably did train for this fight. Just not nowhere. He just didn't train enough or he didn't he didn't train enough in, in the past. He hasn't done enough, period. And even back when I was working with him, when I was working with him back when he was an amateur, he was lighter than that. He was in the 250s, you know, late 240s. You know what I mean? Around, you know, and it's just, it's a shame. When I look at him, it's like, you just see there's a lot of wasted talent out, out there, man. There's a lot of guys who can box. There's a lot of talented fighters out there, and he's just one that is disappointing, man. It's like I'm not saying it's over for him because anything can happen. He can get back in but and, and, and get himself back together. But 
he's got a, another level of experience compared to this guy, and the guy still looked like the the the, the one that's actually been around more. Not saying that skill wise he was better than Darmani, but it was just he, his 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 presence in the ring, his attitude towards obviously the sport. He's a student of it from what, I'm, from what I understand, and and he and his body, like it was just. You could see one guy was in there for to win, and now the guy was in there just maybe for a paycheck. You understand what I'm saying? And you can't disrespect the game by doing that. Look, I have not been the most body beautiful in the world, but I will never get in the ring looking like that. And I'm not saying that that's everything, but you got to show that you have some sort of professionalism with how you how you present yourself. Who's gonna want to put you on a cereal box looking like that? And I'm not mad at him for – no, I am mad at him for doing it because I know him and he's capable. He's so capable. But he just – I don't his, his mindset, I don't, I don't know where it is, man. I really don't. It's sad. And unbelievably, we talk about the weight there, but Michael Polite Coffee, the, the winner of the fight, was actually heavier. He was 270, but, of course, he looked good for it. You know, he, he didn't have yeah. excess, um, excess, you know, skin around, around the midsection. But um, – I'll tell you something now. I didn't know how young Damani Rock was. I'm stunned to see how young he is. You know you know how old he is, Eddie? What is he, 20, 20 or 21 or something like that? Now? No, he's 24, but I, I'm still shocked. I mean, he looks... A... I didn't even realize he was that old. I thought he was young. I thought he was younger than that. No. But I forgot I haven't seen him in so long time now. So, yeah, yeah. I expected him to be 24. He's, he's... 24 is actually... Yeah, he's still young enough to turn it around and make something of his career. But, yeah, he lost to Michael Polite Coffee, who was 10 years his senior. He's 34. But anyway, that's it for the review part. It's dragged out a bit longer than I thought it would do. That's it for that. Moving on to the news. Let's see if there's anything. I'm not even sure there is, to be honest with you. Um, what do we have? What do we have? Uh, Matram will be returning to the SSE Arena, Wembley, for, uh, for two events. It's going to be Josh Warrington against... Maurizio Lara, so they're going to be staging that fight at the Wembley Arena, and um, Avanesian, uh, David Avanesian against Josh Kelly, um, that one takes place on Feb 20, that one's going to be at the Wembley Arena as well, so both fights there, seven days apart, the 13th and the 20th of this month, both going to be back at the Wembley Arena, um, and that's pretty much it, really, for the news. So that's very brief. But anyway, that's it for the reviewing. That's it for the news. The final thing to do before we wrap up part one here is to welcome our first guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning WBO Super Featherweight World Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Jamel Herring. Jamel, welcome back on the show, my brother. Oh, absolutely. Happy New Year. Right back at you, Jamel. It's always a pleasure having you on. It really is. Uh, we last spoke in September. It was just after your last fight. Um, first and foremost, right. let's start with what you just said. How how uh, how was your New Year? How was your Christmas? I know you probably couldn't do too much. Um, well, actually, you know, I actually took some time off for Christmas. To go home from the family, as you know, um, I've been I've been training, but when everything got pushed back a bit, um, it, it gave me a little it gave me a little space to go home for the holidays at least to go spend time with the family and then bring in the new year on a positive note. And again, the fight that we all wanted to see for such a long time is finally happening. Uh, it was announced last week, of course, officially um, February twenty seventh in London against Carl Frampton. Now. 
you told me probably the first time we spoke a number of years ago that you did want to come and fight in the UK professionally. Here it is, man. Yes, 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 yes. But sadly, um, it's not the way that, of course, that I wanted it to happen. You know, when I wanted to come up to the UK, I wanted to have that environment that I was around during the 2012 Olympic Games. But sadly, due to the pandemic, um, I'm hearing it could be behind closed doors again. So that means after this fight with Frankfurt, I, I got to come back again because I want I still want that big fight in the UK with the with the atmosphere in attendance. Yeah, because I remember, again, when the fight was being spoken about, we spoke and you said that for the fight to, uh, you know, to end up in the UK, there'd probably need to be a big, um, you know, like a big audience. Then, obviously, the pandemic came. Right. There's going to be no audience. Right. How are you still ending up in the UK? Because the only guy I can think of, of, you know, a champion that has actually gone to another guy's backyard, you know, to defend his title away from home is uh, probably Callum Smith against Canelo during this pandemic. You'll be the second guy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's kind of rare now to see, even before the pandemic, you guys, you already know, it's, it's rare to see champions travel, uh, especially out of America, to anywhere to, um, to defend the title. But, you know, I, I think I take my title very seriously as being a world champion. I believe, you know, I should fight all over the world if, if possible. So that's the one reason why, you know, I wanted to come back to the U.K., you, and as you already know, even before the um, pandemic, I was even willing to go to um, Carl Frampton's backyard, which is um, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Yeah. And I want to ask you as well, Jamel, um, what is your opinion of Carl as a fighter at this point in his career? Obviously, you know, I think you've kind of got to look back respectfully. I'd look at his record and say his last great win was probably Nonito Donaire, which is... Uh, quite some time ago now. It's, it's amazing how, how much has changed in that time, how long ago that was now. Um, yeah, I mean, he has a def- he definitely, let me just say, he definitely has a respectable resume. I will say that. Um, yeah. I, I gave him all the credit in the world. But like you point, like, like, I mean, most people, they pointed out as well, he's not the same guy as he was, maybe during those Nonio Donier, the Quig fights, and, you know, even during the Santa Cruz fights. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's a, hung- he's a hungry guy still. I, um, also, he says he wants to make history, so I still have to prepare for the best Carl Frampton available. And again, Carl Frampton said something about you, I think, on Twitter. He took some kind of swipe about you sparring Terence Crawford. I think he said <laughs> that, that unless Terence is going easy, you wouldn't be getting the better of the sparring. I want to point out as well, if Carl Frampton was sparring Terence Crawford, it's not like he'd be getting the better of the sparring either. But that's that's neither here nor there. Exactly, bro. <laughs> I don't, you know, you know, you know. Like I said, uh, when I, you, as you know me, man, uh, for for the longest, I, I don't take things personal. I, if anything, I feel as if, um, you know, he's a bit, he's a bit, you know, um, worried when I when I hear, when you hear stuff like that. When guys are too focused, too worried about what you're doing in your camp, you know, that that that, that tells you something, you know. And I feel that. You know, he's probably a little bit, he's probably a little bit, as he called me, a little bit edgy, <laughs> you know, himself. But, you know, like I said, Bud Crawford doesn't take it easy on anyone. He's not here, he's not here to boost, you know, to make me feel good or, or to boost my, you know, boost my morale. He's here to teach me some things and make sure that, you know, that I'm going in there 100%. And like I said, when we when we spar, you know, we, we try to get the best over one, one another because we take what we do seriously and we know what's on the line. Yeah, I remember you, you addressed it on Twitter and Carl came out and said that, um, 
you you bite to everything, and and that you'd be yeah, like, you'd be easy to wind up. I think I think Jamal, I think he's got a little tiny bit of a point though. <laughs> no, you know you know what it is. You know what it is. Like me, as as you already know, I'm very active on social media. So if I see something, I'm going to address it. You know, and like and for the most part, I didn't get upset. I didn't get angry. I thought it was funny. Because like I said, I. You just saying he was just he's just giving me too much attention instead of um, worrying about you know I'm not, I'm not I don't care who he, who 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 he's far you know it's like him and Frank Warren every week got a, got some new story as you know one minute oh I'm going to struggle to make the weight the next minute oh he had he's buzzing me at this or that now it's oh I'm sparring Terrence Crawford but he's taking it he's taking it easy on me but I find it funny because like I said that just gives me confidence because. You never once heard me say anything about what he's doing in his camp because I really, I really don't care for it. Yeah, and that's that's the right attitude to have. Um, as as we said, the fo- the fight set for February twenty seventh, Jamel. Do you know just yet when you're arriving in the UK? Um, well, I, I plan to at least arrive two weeks prior, so around Valentine's Day weekend, you know, February fourteenth, thirteenth, something around there. But yeah, I want to be um, well acclimated. You know, I want to um, hopefully get to get to you know, roam around the UK for, for a bit as well. And, you know, like, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be comfortable and prepared. But, like, you can hear my voice. I'm, 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 like, I'm just, I'm in a good place. I'm not, I'm not, you know, fighting COVID. I'm not fighting COVID. I'm not, you know, in a five-month training camp because of the fight keeps getting postponed. You know, I'm back to, like, so I'm back training at high, high elevation over here in Colorado Springs. And I'm just happy. You know, I'm just happy that I finally got the fight that I, that I wanted. And, you know, I'm going to make the most of it. And I'm pleased for you to get the fight that you've wanted, Jamel. I know it's it's a fight you've wanted for a long time. I know you're 100% concentrated on Carl Frampton. Um, have you dreamt or, I don't know, looked to the future at all for, for any plans after this fight? Um, not really. You know, because like I said, um, I still respect Carl enough and I, you know, to, give him that, to give him that respect. That I don't want to look past anybody. But, um, I mean, like I said, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with M2K now, so... They always have, they always have, you know, big plans in mind. But right now, I told them I just need to just focus on um, Frampton first, and then we, we can go from there afterwards. But I'm just, I'm happy with my relationship with MPK, and I know that they'll have um, bigger things afterwards. Absolutely. And I want to get your take on another fight, Jamel, that's taking place in your division. Seven days before your fight, Oscar Valdez challenges Miguel Bushelt for his WBC world title, a guy that you were um, pretty vocal about calling out as soon as you won the title. Uh, How do you see that one playing out, my man? Um, that's a dangerous fight for um, Oscar Valdez, obviously. But um, like the same situation I had to go through with this um, pandemic, you, I really, you really have to see um, you know, what, how Bushelt reacts after fighting COVID, because you know he had, you know he had COVID not too long ago, and you know even though you may come up with a negative test, that the effects can still play a factor in your in your body. So it all, it all just comes down to see, you know, it all comes down to how his body reacts to everything um, with the COVID. But I I, I still think it's a, it's a dangerous fight, and um you you have to give the um the edge to Brichel. But you know Valdez is hungry, so he might be seeing something that. That we're not seeing, and mind you, he has a great team as well. You know, over there with Canelo in the game. Yeah. We shall see. I think it's definitely going to be all action. It usually is when when Valdez is fighting anyway. And just finally, Jamel, if you've got any closing words, um, yeah, just mainly to the UK guys that support you. There's going to be a lot of guys over here um, wanting you to win. You already know that I'm one of those guys. What's your message to the other guys over here? <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, I, you know, like I said, I love and respect all you guys over there, man. Like I said, it, it's just a bummer that I may not get the chance to have that, that, that atmosphere, but I still plan on to put on a great show, and hopefully and hopefully after, after the victory, I can, I can get out and hang with some of the guys out there. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. I, I hope that we, uh, we, we, we do get something like that going. Listen, Jamel, it really is a pleasure. You already know it's always great speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for February 27th. And like I say, I might upset some people by saying this, but I hope you come out with the win, as I always do. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's podcast. This part, of course, the the uh, I was going to say the news. We did that, of course. It was very brief in part one. Um, the preview part, we're going to start here. There's really not much to go over. Two fights taking place, or two cards taking place in Mexico this Saturday. Saturday, February 6th. We're going to start here. Oh, baby. This is my opportunity to give some fantastic Spanish... Mexican pronunciation, Eddie. Sit back and get ready for this. Are you ready for this? I'm ready to learn. This one takes place at the Polideportivo Sur in a place I can't pronounce, in Mexico. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, the main event. What on earth is he doing over there? But he is fighting over there. The return of Austin No Doubt Trout, 32-5 with a draw in a 10-round contest against Juan Armando Garcia, who is 21 and, uh, sorry, 21 and 7 with two draws. A 10-rounder there for Austin Trout in Mexico. A bit strange. Um, I, I like Austin Trout because <laughs> i tell a little story now. I think he was the first world champion that we ever, ever had on the podcast. I think it was back in... Really? Yeah, I think it was back in... Uh, late 2000, uh, sorry, not 2015, 2015. Um, and I believe he was the first world champion we ever had on the show. And I think it was like episode eight or something like that. Here we are, episode 277. So, um, yeah, I was really excited because he was a big name. He was a, you know, a guy that had been in there with Canelo and the rest of it. And we did the interview. And then afterwards, when the interview finished, I thanked him. I put the phone down. Then I realized that I didn't hit the record button. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was back in the very amateur days. Well, it still is quite amateur. I mean, I don't know who I think I am, but anyway, um, we 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 got him back on to to redo it and i was really um i felt really stupid and since then we've had him on a bunch of times he's he's a nice guy austin trout all the best to him and talking of nice guys we move over to another part of mexico at the pascuaro in michoacan de ocampo over here topping the bill not just fighting on the card, but also promoting the show. Former IBF 154 world champion, Carlos Molina, one of my good friends, 36 and 11 with two draws. He's in a 10-rounder against Edgar Ortega, who's 18 and 11. That's over 10 rounds. On the undercard, Sonny Fredrickson, 21 and 3, in an 8-rounder against Jose Canales. And Adrian Granados makes a strange appearance on the undercard. 20 and 8 with two Two draws, Granados. He steps in against Nesta uh, Fernando Garcia, who's 23 and 22 with one draw. Um, yeah, it's good to see Carlos Molina get some um, some names on the undercard. Sonny Fredrickson and Adrian Granados in particular. 
Uh, but that's it for the very brief preview part of the show. Uh, that wraps up all the talking pretty much from me. The final thing to do, though, is to go to you, Eddie, with this episode or this edition of of, of the lockdown knockdown. It's been it's been away for a couple of weeks, but we return with it here. I'll let you lead the way. I don't think there's too much depth to go into, so I'm hoping that we've got enough time to go through maybe all of the fights that you had over here, but you're the man in charge. Um, we're going to, well, just after the Machunu loss at Cruiserweight, which was 2013. However, in March of 2014, you'd end up fighting um, in Newcastle, which uh, which no one could have seen coming. Tell us about how it all started. Yeah, well, um, man. And the funny thing is I had talked to Peter actually in camp with um, with Tyson. I went, it's the first time I met him. He was such a great guy. One of the best men I've ever met, to be honest, man. He's, he's awesome, dude. Uh, you you hear so many things about guys, you know, being that those guys are travelers and all of that. And, you know, they're crazy. They do that. But they're great people. Uh, every one of the ones I met are great people. And they accepted me just like I was family. So, and, you know, he talked to me and obviously wanted me to work with Tyson. So I'm sparring with Tyson, getting ready for the whole David Hay debacle, the whole craziness that went on with that. And, um, he says to me, he's like, look, man, I, you know, I, I've watched so many of your fights. I've seen what you've done. And, and man, you got so much talent. You got so much this and that, man. He's like, you know, you ever think about if you, if you really want to go about it, man, we can, we can, we can bring you in and, and have you work with us and I'll make sure you're in the best of shape and you're able to do everything you need to do to get in the ring and get you back on top. I thought about it. <laughs> Obviously I didn't have a lot working here and it seemed like a great option for me. So I went, you know, I talked to my, 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 you know, family, you know, the family that I would, so I would talk to and up here, which is actually not actually blood family, but they were as close to me as anyone. Talk to Steve a little bit about it. Talk to my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. She's like, you know, I think it's a good idea. It's more opportunity in that than, you know, here at the time. Say, so go on ahead about, you know, go about and do what you got to do. So, hopped, in, hopped on a plane, <laughs> flew on over to, what at first I thought was going to be England. He tells me, no, we're in the south of France training. So I'm like, oh, man, the south of France. I heard about France, you know. But, I'm, you know, all I could think about is how much I hate flying. So that means I'm going to have to probably end up taking two planes, and that just didn't sound good to me. But the re- just the idea of being in Cannes, France was a good, you know, was a good thing. So <laughs> we, uh, so I leave, and I think, uh, I forget where I think I had to, to change planes. But anyway, anyway I end up, End up in France with the guys. And uh, I had no idea what was coming. I mean, I had no idea. I'm thinking, oh, these are heavyweights. I've trained hard as anyone my entire career with my dad. You know, think about the training and the things I've done with my dad and things I've done with Bashir and just in general, you know what I mean? I've trained like a maniac. So I'm expecting this to be just, you know, a bunch of heavyweights. <laughs> what are they going to be doing? This is going to be like a, like a like a vacation training for me. You know, once I get back in shape, it's going to be too easy. Man, once I start talking to him, and, and when I was in camp with him at, in, uh, uh, I'm not Brussels, in, I can't even think where we were. I can't remember where we were. But when I was in camp with them for the hay fight, I was doing two-a-days, you know, because I, I, that's what I would normally do. And I would see them in the gym at times while I was in the gym, and then I would also, then we would spar, but sometimes they'd say, you could come in the gym and work out on days you don't have to spar too. So I was like, all right, cool. And I would still see them. So I'm like, all right, you know, it's, you know, it's, they, they seem to, you know, work decent. You know what I mean? I don't really know. I don't really see them doing the weights because he didn't really do 
he, I didn't really see him doing a lot of lifting and all that when I was there. But then I get to France and I'm talking to Peter and we're all discussing what we're going to be doing. He's like, yeah, you know, he took me for a ride one of his cars, one of his real, real nice car he had at the time. And uh, which I'm pretty sure he got nice clothes now too. But <laughs> anyway, um, and we were just talking. He was letting me know. He was putting me down on a lot of things that was going to be happening and how I had to be prepared mentally and, you know, a lot of the things that we we're going to be doing. And like I said, it was a good, uh, you know, big brother slash, you know, mentor type talk, which I appreciated. And once I, um, once we sat down and start mentioning some of the things we were going to be doing, he was like, yeah, you know, uh, we trained three times a day. And, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what? And he's like, oh yeah, we trained three times a day. And I was like, you trained three times a day. Now I haven't done this since I was doing it with my dad and we didn't do it every day. He said, no, we trained three times, five days a week, twice on Saturdays, two times on Saturdays. And I'm sitting there like, really? And I'm like, all right, man, these are still heavyweights. In my mind, I'm still like, these are still heavyweights. I don't think they're going to work as hard as, you know, as I work. So I'll be able to out, out, out work them. <laughs> Day one, I get on it. We get into the, uh, uh, going to do our run. And they had this thing where we were on, on one, one day a week, we ran these stairs. And I'm going to tell you, it was one of the hardest things I've done in a long time. And we, and I thought that it was just like, oh, we sprint up the steps, we come back down and then we take a break. No. These steps were, it seemed like what seemed like a mile up and they were steep as well. It just seemed like it kept going on forever. So, but then when I got to the top, I came back down. I'm thinking, okay, that's one lap. He's like, oh, oh no, you got to keep going. Now keep in mind on the first three of like the first one I did, I'm flying up the steps because at that time I'm like 195 and everybody else there is, you know, in you know, mid to high two hundreds. So I'm like, damn, I didn't realize I, I can still keep going. By this, and I never ever stop and walk running. I don't care how tired I get. Generally, I would just, you know, slow the pace down and maybe find another thing I can do, you know, but I'll continue to run or move, right? I had to stop. This is the first time ever that I remember training where I actually had to stop and walk. And I had to literally throw the towel into a degree because I couldn't go back up the steps. I tried to go back up, I took a little bit of a rest. I just had no more, I had no more left. I've never experienced that in my entire career until I did when I, until I got with them. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm just out of shape. So we go in, we lift. And I didn't realize how, cause I don't really, I didn't really lift a lot up to that point, you know, from, from before. Uh, when, you know, cause I was doing, like, mostly when I was home, I was after I, you know, cause I probably took a few months off after that Machuno fight before I went over to, uh, to France in the first, the beginning of the next year, 14. So I didn't really do much with weights or with any of that stuff. I was just playing a lot of ball. So when I got there and we was doing weights, man, I could barely do any of the things that I used to do. You know what I mean? The, my bench was weak. Squat was weak. My deads, all of the things that I'm used to being strong at was weak. And not to mention, these guys didn't take no breaks. They really didn't. It was superset everything. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I'm thinking like, all right, well, this is where they're supposed to be. Dominant at they supposed they big guys, they supposed to be able to do weights and be strong, right? So then we get with the boxing. Then I get into boxing and it's like they just never stop. And I'm looking at Tyson who got like yeah, three tires around his waist with fat. And I'm like, how is this dude still moving? Like I've never seen a guy that, that big that had no shutdown. Like his body his, his body just did not was not in, in was not indicative of what he was. Like he is a specimen when it comes to 
his energy, his his motor. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this dude is still he on the bag after like I don't know how many rounds of uh, what we were doing. We didn't spar that day, but this dude is just punch after punch. I'm like, what the hell is he on? I'm like, man, he got to be drinking something or on something like crack or something. Like, what's up with this dude? Like, I couldn't believe it. And he's 290-something pounds. And and 6'9", I'm like, man, this is crazy. And the sparring, once I started sparring with him and, and, and doing some of the other cardiovascular, it just didn't get no better. It was like that experience coming over to France was the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my entire career, really my entire life. When it comes when it comes to the the uh, boxing, and of course, you know I've been in camps like major camps, getting ready. I fought a title fight before I came over there. You would have thought I would have met my match as far as how hard things have been in the past, but up to this point, I, I hadn't ever experienced. I've been to other professional camps. I've been to Klitschko, John Ruiz, Sassim Rockman, all of these guys, and they all look at me and say, "Hey, you work pretty hard." Man, when I got out there with those guys, they really showed me something that I hadn't seen in my entire career. And I and I and I appreciated it. At the time I didn't, because every night I would be sleeping and it was three of us in a little room, even though it was a beautiful place. It was three of us in a little room and these two guys two guys I'm sleeping with are in and not with in the same bed, but in, in near us. They're both six six five plus. So I'm like Man, I got to find a little corner in the room to sleep on, and the bed was on the floor. And I'm in the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. I literally, if I laid down in any position I laid down in, I could not move all night. I would literally wake up exactly the same position because every motion felt like somebody was taking a knife and literally ripping my muscles apart. That's how bad the pain was. I couldn't believe it. It took me so much. Every day... I came back from a workout. I was like, man, I was trying to figure out in my mind how I was going to talk to Peter and tell him that I can't take this no more, man. I got to go home. And I just, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do it today, man. I'm just going to tell him today. And then I would talk to my girl. And, and at the time, we was thinking that maybe she might have been pregnant. I, and I was thinking like, man, I was like, screw it, man. I was thinking for a couple more, like another more, couple more days. Maybe it'll get better. And it wouldn't get no better. And I was like, damn, man, I, I'm going to tell him tonight. And I just didn't tell him. And then I just went. Then eventually I started to get a little bit better, but the pain was still there. And I just said, you know what, man? I ain't going to be no punk. Um, I, you know I mean? I've been to the highest of highs in this sport. Well, not the highest of highs, but close. And, you know, I've dealt with it. And I've dealt with a lot of other adversity. I can deal with this. So that's the only thing that kept me there was I had to literally have a, a positive self-talk, which I normally don't. And <laughs> normally I'm always talking bad about how I'm doing. But this time I had to literally talk myself into staying and I had to be positive about everything. And I just did it. I dreaded getting up every day doing some of those things, especially after in the beginning when my body was getting adjusted. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But fast forward to <laughs> my first fight. And when we, and we, my first fight was after we came back to England. France was the hardest experience ever. England was still hard when, I, when we got here. When I, well, here, like I'm there now. But like when we got to um, to England, uh, which was uh, we were in, I think uh, Manchester at the time, or close by Manchester, and uh, it was still real hard. They had the gym on there, on their, on the, on the land they had, and we were staying in the caravans and everything. It was actually an enjoyable experience. That part wasn't it crazy. I had my own, I had my my video games in there, had my own little space. It was nice. It wasn't terrible, 
you know, a lot of people say, oh, I would never be able to stand. Man, we had it was a it was luxury, you know, and, and, and one of those things. It was just you by yourself. So it was actually not that bad. It was a, it, honestly that bad. It was good, actually. And um, everything was cooked. Everything, uh, all your meals were prepared. It was just a real professional thing. But it was it was still very difficult. We still had a very similar schedule. No, the same schedule. So, you know, it just my body started to finally get used to it a little bit more. And I, I've i never seen my body look the way it did when I got, since, since I've been there. I've, I've Even before that, I've never been that defined. I've never been that strong. And I've never been that confident, to be honest, with the exception of when I fought Tomas last year. But I've never been that confident in what I could do. You know what I mean? Because my body just, it was just, I, I, I couldn't believe how much of a machine I was at the time. It was just like, wow, you know? So for for the things that, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was hard, and I hated, I didn't hate him, but I hated the experience at the time. Now I love it, because now it really tells you, like, how far you are really able to go. A man can always do more than he thinks he can, and that completely, that that situation completely solidifies that. That's 100% true. But anyway, so, you know, we finally get a fight, you know, with, with when I say finally, it, it, the whole purpose for, you know, before me, you know, for me to get, uh, get over, to actually fight over there was to get myself in the best shape possible, get prepared properly before um, I was to have any fight. You know what I mean? I got to make sure that the product is basically finished when I'm in the ring. You know what I mean? And that's what Peter, that's the uh, the picture that Peter painted for me. So uh, once I was coming into my own um, first fight was scheduled. And right away, people saw my body and was like, yo, man, they need to test his urine because they had never seen me like that before. Even myself, I'm thinking like, man, what am I eating over here? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a, it was like a real question. Like, what is this? This is crazy. But I mean, I took a, I, I did the, uh, you know, the, the weigh-in and I'm on the scale and I looked at the pictures and I even look at the pictures now when I look back, I'm like, man, I had the oblique muscle. I had everything. Like there was not an ounce of fat that I, that I could remember. Oh, it was on my body. I was in the mirror in the in the uh, um, in the hotel, like just marveled. I couldn't believe what had happened. Like, and I, I I couldn't thank him so much. I couldn't thank him any more than than I did. But damn, it just it was unbelievable. And then I got in there to fight, and you know the mobility. I still had mobility. I still had explosive speed, and but then I had explosive power too. Like, I would hit guys, and even in camp when we were training, you would hit guys and you would just see it in their face. Like, oh, man, they said this dude couldn't really punch. He was a little guy. He's knocking houses down. Like, even with my man, um, the Highlander, Gary Cornish, he was saying, man, you know, they talk about a lot of these other guys' punching power. Man, he's like, you know, you and Tyson actually have really good punching power. And I'm like, man, I can't believe you put me in that conversation. He was like, yeah, yeah you, you're punching now. I was like, man, I couldn't believe it. You know, these... These these things were happening, like, and he said this would happen. So I was like, wow, you know what I mean? This is a, this is the experience. This is what I needed. And um, the only thing that I'll say about the whole scenario that was tough was that every it, it was hard sometimes. Like the conditioning, as hard as we worked and as much as we trained, even when I when I fight sometimes because there's so much muscle, so much oxygen that need to be put in them, that I would start to blow a bit. Pause. I would start to blow air a little bit. Like I would need, like, I just like I needed more oxygen. It was like sometimes I was getting a little tired, you know, just through 
you know, because of the, you know, the, the need for more, you know, oxygen in the muscles and blood in the muscles. So I would, I feel like I would, you know, get a little fatigued, but I was so explosive, man. It was just unbelievable. And I got in there with the first guy, which was Tom, Tomas Masaryk, a really nice guy. I felt bad about what I did to him, but I ended up stopping him, which was, I think the first time in a while to that point he had been stopped. And I looked at his face and man, I felt terrible. So terrible. Cause he was such a nice guy. And I had literally, literally beat him. Like it looked like with it looked like to within an inch of his life. You know what I'm saying? And it was like his eyes, both eyes were swollen. His his nose, his his, his ears were oh, it was just so bad. And you know, they stopped it. Wait a minute, they, they they didn't have to stop it, but I mean I even though it was in the last round, I was still kind of glad they did because man, he was just taking so much punishment. I don't think he, he should have been in there for another second because it just looked really, really bad, you know, his face and everything. But, um, and then, you know, so after that fight, hang I mean, on, hang on, was, hang on. let's know, just stay that... on that fight for one second. Thomas Masarek, who a lot of guys over here know, um, there's a bit of a kind of, um, I suppose there's a bit of com competition seeing as you went over to the uk you join up with huey and tyson they both fought yeah. him they didn't stop him you yeah. did yeah uh, you know what and, and i as soon as it happened i point out because tyson was doing commentary at that time for the fight and i, I pointed right at him like i got it you ain't getting you know what i mean now granted could i have really am i really did I really stop him, or did they just oh, kind of give quiet. me a mercy? Oh, be quiet. You did one? stop him. You did stop him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Joe. What are you talking about? It's a TKO. He didn't. Did he hear the final Ooh. bell? No, he didn't. Yeah, that's true. Stop he being did. the he nicest did. guy. Stop being. Talk some trash. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, but I did. But I did get him though. And I, and I'll tell you, I'll say that to Tyson now. I did stop somebody. You did. <laughs> Even though he stopped people, though. You know, it's cool. let me just I say, think, you know, he Mazarek has no. been in there with with. Wow, he's been in there with everyone. Um, I'm going to list you the, the the guys that he's been in with that are big name guys that never that never stopped him when you did. Do you want to hear this list? Yeah, let me let me hear it. I'm ready to hear. Uh, get, it. I want to feel good about myself. Yeah, get change. get ready to get ready to smile big. So here we go. Oh, you doing it? <laughs> he went the distance with Marius Wack. He went the distance with uh, obviously Tyson Fury. He went the distance with Carlos Takam. He went the distance with. Um, British champion Sam Sexton. He went the distance with Huey Fury. He went the distance with Otto Wallin. He he um, he went the distance with Tom Schwartz, and he actually beat Danny Williams, of course. So um, there you go, man. That's see. That's why I'm smiling real big now because I did something that they couldn't do inside, and one of them didn't even beat him. <laughs> so no, but, exactly. But you know what? Mike, listen, listen. Danny Williams beat Mike Tyson. Danny Williams lost to Thomas Masaryk. You stopped Thomas Masaryk. Yeah, like who? Like I'm, I'm better than Mike. That's right? it. <laughs> that just sounds funny. Nobody would ever want to hear that. Trust me. They'd be like, man, what? Hell no. Now when nobody would ever want to hear that. But I mean, look, the the experience just being into that moment, and then Tyson gonna get me a a princess birthday cake, which was which was great because that was on my actual birthday at fight, I think. And he gives me a princess birthday cake, which actually tastes pretty damn good because I ate it. Believe me. You think I'm going to turn down some sweets? I ate it. Absolutely. Say what you want to say. But I had the body at the time to deal with it, so I wasn't tripping. <laughs> but after the fight was over and after everything was done, two weeks later, I want to say two weeks later, I had another fight scheduled. 
if I'm not mistaken, with another very durable, tough guy that not this time Tyson didn't fight him, but Huey had fought him and didn't get him out of there. I think he had only up to that point had been stopped on cuts. I think you told me that, Joey. I think he had only been stopped on cuts, and he had never been stopped actually by being knocked out in a fight. Now, I don't know his resume, but I heard he had fought a lot of guys, and that's, of course, Moses Matuba. You remember him, right? Yeah. And I think he was my next fighter. Right. So, and the funniest thing about that fight is, you know, and like I said, you know, the work at that point has started to become a little bit smoother and I've been coming a, a little bit more comfortable with it. But up to, but I still, you know, it was still a bit of a struggle. It's still hard work. It's crazy hard work. But um, I remember in the dressing room and even as funny as on my Instagram right now, if you look at what we were working on in the dressing room is exactly what I knocked him out with. And the first, and the first thing is, and it wasn't the first, and this is the craziest thing. A guy like him who never gets stopped gets knocked out in the first round by a guy who's not even a puncher, supposedly. And me, which that just shows how much of a difference me being there made. Because I feel like if I would have been from, you know, been over here and training like I trained here and doing what I've done in the past year, that I probably would have gone the distance with him. But because of what we've been working on and such a focus and such a, 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 an eye on detail and also detail with your, your physical training, that I was able to land that shot. It was a simple thing, and it seemed like it was simple, like like you know, it was a normal thing. But, you know, the fake the jab and the throw the right hand, and it just worked to perfection. Caught him, and he instantly went out. And I think he went out with the with the right hand, and I woke him back up with the other shots that I threw, and he just was completely out of, out of you know, out of commission. He couldn't really do much. And he couldn't get up or anything. And that literally happened within what? And I know you know, Joe, like what? Within a minute or so of the – few minutes of the first round i think it was one minute like i don't remember one minute ten yeah see what i mean like like that's crazy and it's the kind of thing that like i couldn't believe it i'm sitting there like i mean at the time i was like yeah whatever but then when you look at you know he has never been knocked out before and i'm like damn even if even though i'm you know another level than he is it's still like damn this guy has never been knocked out he's been in there with good guys obviously been in there with yui Look where Yui has been now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow. It's a hell of a thing, man. It's it's it, it's a it's an experience. And and it, it does a lot for your for your for my psyche anyway to make to make me feel good about myself, right, Joe? Yeah. He, <laughs> he he never got stopped in the first round ever again. Um he I think I think he's retired now. He hasn't boxed since twenty fifteen, so I guess that's the end of that. But um yeah, five yeah. wins uh, 64 losses, four draws, but he only got stopped seven times and only once in the first round, which was you. He boxed Huey Fury on two occasions. He went the distance with him twice. He went the distance with um, with Gary Cornish as well. Um, yeah. And he went the distance with Cash Alley. He's another guy. Um, yeah. He went the distance with Simon Valili. Um mm-hmm. Went the distance with Dave Allen. Yeah, that's right, Dave. <laughs> Shout out to Dave. I gotta. <laughs> I I, I want to make sure he knows that too, because you know he's always talking about my power in the gym. So, well, no, he's talking how he always talk about how short I am, because he always called me five eleven, which is not fair. Yeah, 
Um, and also, what was funny as well, just to, not to sidetrack or anything, but obviously we had Chris Bird on last week's show, and I said, you know, how do you think the fight would have gone between you and Eddie? And Chris Bird said about, I mean, Chris Bird is six foot, but he said that Eddie was shorter than him. <laughs> and I couldn't believe he said that. I'm like, dog, we met. I see you in person twice. And y'all, you you definitely ain't taller than me. Like what? And like I was like, like why do you keep saying I'm shorter? Like I hate I hate that. It's like if people see me and instantly they think small guy because maybe it's because I was lighter. And when he seen me in in camp with Hassan Rockman, I was like really light. I was like one ninety. I was like one ninety uh like ninety five or something like that. And I you know because I was going back and forth. I was like trying to trying to keep my weight down and, and really be in shape at the time. But anyway, I just can't believe you said I'm shorter. That's all. <laughs> but yeah, go on. Back but, on um, track. okay, back on track now. Uh, after the Moses Matuvi, now I got to think, what was after that? Carl Baker. Like, did Carl Baker, right. Because I was thinking, like, did I fight again, like, a, like in, in, a, in a month, or was it? And then I realized, yeah, Carl Baker was right before I took the break and went back home for a little while. Came back. You know who was on the card and, that night, right? Who was on the card that night? Junior Witter was on the card that night. Oh, he was? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was his card, I think. Wasn't that his card? Yeah, that was his card. Um, yeah, I remember that. I don't know if it was his card, was he? but he was on he was on the undercard, I think. He was, he was only fighting a guy with a losing record, actually. But obviously, Junior Witter, man, he was um, a great fighter in his time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, wait, dang, really? I thought he hit me. I thought he was headlining. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. I can't really remember. But I remember that it was a Channel 5, I think it was, Channel 5. And, um... And I was fighting Carl Baker. And this was one fight. Oh, let me just quickly say, the Moses Matovu fight, I was at that card. You were? Yeah. When you boxed Moses Matovu. Yep, yep. I remember it now. It's just rung a bell. I remember running in there. I was a bit late. And I think you were like the first fight on or something. And you stopped him in the first round. I got there when the fight finished. And I was like, when are you fighting? And you said, I've already had my fight. Oh, my God. (laughs) And you know why I was late, right? What? No, I'm going to just leave it up to you to make a guess. Um, You know how females in your life really take a lot of time getting dressed and stuff? Getting ready to go? (laughs) And I'm gonna I'm gonna yep. remind her of that actually because uh, yeah she is the reason that's it Eddie you should have uh, put the put the smackdown on her when you saw her uh, last year because it was her damn fault. <laughs> no, you know what I couldn't do that because then she would probably put the smackdown on me and then you know I can't do nothing back so I, <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and keep my mouth shut How about that. So I so I actually missed the the Moses Matova fight I was there just after it finished and um, that's when I think you. Um, no, you didn't do any commentary that night, but that was a, that was a, yeah. oh, did you? No, I think I did. Okay. I think I did. Yeah, I think no, I I've, did. I've got a feeling you did. I... Yeah. But yeah, that was the I night, there did. was a few upsets because Frank Buglioni got knocked out bad that night. Uh, he lost his undefeated record. So did a young guy called Georgie Keane. He got, um, he got beat. He didn't get knocked oh, out. Right. And I, I remember, I remember, I remember that. Yeah. Chris Eubank Jr. was on the card that night as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, yeah, sorry, back that. to Carl Baker. Sorry, Eddie. But uh, but yo, we, um, what happened then? Oh, oh, so after after that fight, I mean, I'm pretty hot. And then Tyson had took a break up to that point. So Tyson was off for like, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks, something like that. He had went away with his family, whatever. 
and um, you know had a little vacation because he had just fought. He had just beat um, Derek Chisora. I, well, no, 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 not Derek Chisora. I'm sorry, Joey Abel. And I did commentary for that one too. Uh, he had he had uh, he had stopped Joey Abel. And I forget what round, but um, so he took a little break. And at this point, I was hitting my stride. I felt like at this point, I could beat everybody. You know what I mean? With the exception of obviously Tyson, it would have been like that would have been a tough fight. But the rest of them, and that includes Vladimir, in my opinion, at the time, they would have had the they would have they would have really had a hard hell of a hard time with me at the time because I was I was on the level I should have been when I was fighting him the first time. If I would have been, if I would have had this kind of team behind me, not saying that the team I had wasn't good and they weren't they weren't great, but it was just that we didn't have enough. Um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Enough experience at that level with the trainer, with you know, just the the whole the whole process. My manager was you know he had been in the game for a long time, and he understood things about boxing, but. We needed more professionalism. We needed more information in the corner. That's really what we needed. We just didn't have it. And we didn't have it in the training camp as well. So we were doing things that were dated. And and that's why, you know, Vladimir was able to do what he did. And I just I just couldn't up to that point compete with him. But at this point with Peter, 100%, uh, I, I feel like I would have had I, had, I have the confidence. I had the confidence at that time and the ability at that time and the size and the strength and the power that I would have had him. He would have been in trouble. It wouldn't have been an easy situation. He would have had the hope to have caught caught me, you know what I mean, somewhere early in the fight. Because if not, I would have definitely been all over him, and not the way he would want me. You know what I mean? Want me to be. So, but um, back to the whole <laughs> Carl Baker thing. And uh, he, this was the one fight that I had in all of my career that I can remember where I was not nervous. Like I, I really didn't have really any nervousness. Really, like I have never in in my life, in my career, ever, um, had been to a situation like that before, where I had I, I wasn't nervous. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he didn't really have a long career or anything. He he actually retired after your fight with him. He never boxed again, um, and. Carl. Huh? Carl Baker? Yeah, he never boxed again after losing to you. Um, but I remember him mainly from fighting Derek Chisora, where Derek Chisora kissed him on the lips at the weigh-in. Oh, yeah. Most people remember him from that. Yeah, yeah. And he also, I mean, he actually, he did, he did, his best win of his career was, um, he, 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 he beat Danny Williams as well. <laughs> that's, I'm not, I'm not trying to, crap on his career like saying that that's not a great that's not a good thing for him but i mean he did you know i mean he did and but i remember that fight and i just remember that how how i i just i just i just didn't i wasn't nervous and i knew him we had actually sat and talked and had uh you know at at length me and him and dave because i was uh, hanging out with dave and i was up at dave's um i think i went to his house in leeds and we were hanging out and we went to a fight and we saw we saw Kel Brook, saw a couple other guys that we you know you know we knew, not not that I know him personally, but I mean as a, as a fighter, and was like dang, uh, you know talking about just different things that were going on with, and we had a nice conversation like he was a cool dude, <laughs> and then think it was like what that think that might have been like three two weeks before we fought or three weeks before we fought, 
fast forward three weeks and we get ready to fight each other. And he sees me at the, at the, you know, at the, um, at the, you know, at the place. Cause I think, I don't know for sure from, I can't remember for sure if we were sharing the same dressing room. Cause they had a bunch of, I think they had most, or if not all the fighters in the same area, you know what I mean? Getting prepared. I think they might've, no, nah, you know what? No, they had two rooms. That's right. They had two rooms. And, um, but I would periodically, you know, periodically go out, you know, into the, you know, the area, I don't want to know, lobby or whatever, and to go to the, you know, use the bathroom or whatever. And I would see him and he was warming up and all of that. And I'm just looking like, damn, this is crazy. I, I'm fighting this guy. And I just literally had a nice conversation with him like the other day. It's just weird. And we had no clue. The crazy thing, though, was that he took the fight. I was surprised that he took the fight because that was like, first of all, it was short notice, obviously. And, you know, he didn't look like he was ready to fight. That obviously is another obvious thing. But from, you know, from my understanding, he was always like that. So that, obviously that's why his name was the refrigerator. If I'm not saying that what a fridge, the fridge, I think that's what they called him. So, you know, he's already fairly tall, about six, four, you know what I mean? But then on top of that, this dude is 300 some pounds. But like I said, at the time I had a different body. <laughs> I was a lot, I was a lot stronger, uh, a lot more explosive. Power was a lot greater. So, you know, when we get in the ring and and I'm not nervous. So at this point, I'm literally just, you know, in my in my zone, in my element, just about to go in there and just handle business. And I really never felt worried about anything. And I just remember the shots that I was landing on to the body mainly. They were just like you could see his body waving up, like 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 it was hit by a bolt or something. Like it was like boom, and I was like damn man and this guy's still standing like he didn't take a knee off of that body shot like i remember one of the right hands to the body i threw at him and and the only thing is of course he's a southpaw but the shots that were thrown to the head was just missing or just short they were not catching him clean like i wanted to catch him if i would have caught him clean gone immediately one shot in my opinion that's how i felt at the time but i just couldn't catch him 100% clean. Like, I think I caught him one time and hit him in the eye, and he commented on after the fight saying, basically, yeah, he did that on purpose, poking me in the eye. But um, but the reality of it is was I just couldn't catch him clean. But, of course, after, like, what, the third round? I think it was – was it three rounds? Did we even go three rounds? Um, I can't remember. You stopped, yeah, you retired at the end of the third. Yeah, and I was I was going at him. I was trying to get him out of there. Like, I was trying to get him out of there quick. You know what I mean? There's you know more merciful than than like let them sit around and beat on him, but uh, it was just it was just like wow he's just a little bit further than I was expecting to you know to land that shot. So it, maybe it's have has a little bit to do that he has some savvy as a fighter. Obviously he's been around. You know he's fought some guys. You know he's just because he's a big guy doesn't you know doesn't mean he doesn't know how to fight. Obviously right. But it was just it was crazy. It was strange that I wasn't able to land the shot I wanted and he, I felt like he got out of the fight before I actually act you know taking a, a a shot from the you know my full power you know the 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 it was just he was just just slightly out of the way so he I mean he survived that which I'm actually happy for him you know what I mean he was a nice guy and uh you know I wish I wish him all the best from now on obviously he's not fighting no more which is a good thing but you know it sucks that um we had to fight but that's the way the game goes sometimes you fight people you're cool with but anyway, after that, I went back home for a bit, uh, you know, spent time with the family, which was, you know, needed. I needed a little bit of uh, decompression type thing, uh, 
with uh, we don't we were working so hard. So, and then uh, I came back. Uh, maybe within like I think it was 19 days or so. Came back and you know the the next fight that was to be set was in on the Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora too undercard. And we no, no, were, no, no, you know, no, no, no. looking for... No, no, no. Nascimento yeah. came first, didn't he? Yeah, but no, no, no. Oh, okay. He was he was actually... We were supposed to fight on that car. Ah, okay. Uh, me and Nascimento were going to fight then. Ah, okay. The, you know, on the, on the Tyson Fury... Uh, Chisora 2 uh, undercard, yeah. But then, I think Chisora pulled out. And then it was the big guy was going to be... Tyson's opponent, and I was going to fight Nascimento. I can't remember what happened. I know Tyson's uncle had, you know, had gone through some things, and Tyson, and then Peter wasn't going to be there because they were, you know, dealing with because you know Peter's Peter's brother, and uh, you know it was a crazy situation that they had, and they weren't sure if he was going to make it, and, or his uncle I think might have passed at that point. Yeah, he did, yeah. And uh, yeah, so we we end up taking a leave, and the whole card it, it just well I, I don't know why. I can't remember what happened, but I think I don't know why my fight fell out. I can't remember why I fell out, but Nascimento ended up not—I ended up not being able to fight him. And they were actually at one point offering, "Hey, would you want to fight in the main event with the, you know, the main event guy?" And I was thinking about taking it, but before we can really, you know, say it, you know, say whether or not we wanted it, they—they they declined it. So we just said we probably would—it was probably for the best just to let it go, even though I felt like that might have been an opportunity for me to really show out. But anyway, so I come back, we trained all hard, we did all that stuff, and then end up finding out that there wasn't going to be a fight. So everything was okay, you know, with money and all, everything was good. So I end up going back again for about a month home. Then when I was set to come back, then when I came back, we got back into the fold. And I remember, man, we had been training so hard for such an extended period that my body started to break down. And I got like a little cold. And I had it, I swear, for like two and a half months. And, you know, it was like, what's wrong with me? But it was just my body wasn't getting enough recovery. And we were working so hard. I wasn't sleeping enough when I was here, when I was there. And it was just, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I was hoping for as far as how I felt when I came back. Sparring wasn't great right away. It took a while for me to get back acclimated again. You know, even though it was only a month and I was still working out i was still training my body just started to give man because you can only peak for so long and i was hoping for a whole year long peak and that's just not likely not especially not when you're when you're not resting enough you know so you know i remember and then we're sparring i'm getting ready for nascimento which was i think within a like two week period from you know at, at this at this point and i remember me and um my man my man uh arfan <laughs> arfan uh Igbal, my main man from uh, from 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 over there that we were sparring on, small guy, 175 pounder, but one of the toughest kids ever, man. Like he'll get in there and spar with heavyweights and actually hold his own. But I'm in there sparring with him, and I threw my I threw a left hook, and he throwing it at the same time. Pop hit me right in the bicep area, right around where the tendon meets the shoulder. Popped it. So now. I'm like, oh man, frustrated. Now the fight might fall out, fall out again with this guy Nascimento. I'm like, what is it with this guy that we can't seem to get this this date locked in? But I waited. Uh, uh, Peter had one of his guys come give me like a, a 
like some deep tissue work on my shoulder, pause, my massage. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it started to feel better. Still a bit of an issue, but it started to feel better. I, I, I still didn't, uh, you know, err on the side of caution. I try not to throw it in, in, in training. And I was, me, me and, um, me and, me and Tony, Tony De- uh, Bellew was at sparred. He had helped me. He had come to help me out a couple of times for more than a couple of times for, for, uh, for, for the fight I was having. So, and I was in there sparring with Tony, trying to spar with him with one hand, you know what I mean? Because I just didn't want to risk messing up the, the shoulder anymore or the start uh, my bicep anymore. And it tore from the top. So it wasn't like it was when I tore it from the bottom. We talked about it earlier where it was like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't use it. I was still able to move it and use it. It was actually just the outside part, which is more of a cosmetic thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. It has some, some strength tied into it, maybe 10% less, but, um, but I had to deal with it anyway. So, um, I'm trying to spar, I'm trying to fight. I mean, I'm trying to spar with, you know, with just my right hand and all of those things. And, you know, I was able to deal with it. We figured, Hey, this guy we're fighting is not no world beater. So, you know, we'll be able to get in there and handle business. I should be able to get him out of there, man. It was just one of the worst performances. I felt like I gave in a long time up to that point, even when I lost the fight with, with Machunu, it just, I just felt like, you know, I fell in love with my power up to that point. To be able to be able to just hit him and and see the reaction to get him out of there and hit, what he did was you know just to, f- to figure out a way to survive would just literally hold the whole time and run and run and then hold run and run and then hold and, and it was like what the hell is going on and I couldn't use my left hand like I wanted because I didn't trust it it was good but I didn't trust it so I ended up getting an eight round decision and if you see the interview from you know, after the fight was over, and by the way, Joe, you were there. <laughs> you saw you saw the fight. You were actually on the ring walk with me. Um, and it, I just said it's like one of the worst days, man, I, I've had in a long time. You know, one of the worst days of my of my life, I think, is what I said. And it was just like, you know, you do all of this work and you come in and you you give this kind of effort. And it wasn't that I wasn't trying. It was just I wasn't doing the things that I had trained to do. And I mean, a lot of it had to do with the bicep, but that's no excuse. I should have got him out of there. I fought great one time before without having my other left hand, my left hand. So I should be able to do it again. But, and it was less competition, you know what I mean? So, but, you know, things happened. We had to move on. So then, let's just, still talk, about the, let's just talk about a guy's previous kind of history. Obviously, um, Nascimento was stopped by Tyson Fury in five rounds. He was stopped by Manuel Char in eight. Um, he. He lost to Salomon Hamuno. He got stopped by Joseph Parker seven months before the fight he had with you. However, after the fight with you, um, he he kind of really stepped up uh, his competition as well. After the fight with you, he got stopped by Carlos Takam in four. Sorry, sorry. He got stopped by Dillian White in two, then Carlos Takam in four. But after that, though... He goes on quite a run. He goes the distance but loses to Sergei Kuzmin. Goes the distance but loses to Derek Chisora. Uh, goes the distance but loses to Johan Duapas. Goes the distance but loses to Marius Wack. All in a row. None of those guys stopped him either. Um, unfortunately, though, these days he is forty years of age and he's on a you know he's on the worst run of his of his career. He's actually coming off six back to back stoppage losses. I think he's actually hung him up. Hasn't boxed for just over a year now. But anyway, sorry, Eddie. No, that's all right, man. It's just, but I mean, it's just like I the way I felt, and I, don't get me wrong, he was inches from being out of there. 
and he could have been out there at any point. But it's just yeah, you had him down twice, I, he, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was like, and he just kept no, three he times, go. three times. Yeah, yeah, it was almost like he went down. It seemed like every damn round, but it was like I just couldn't, I just couldn't finish the job. I just couldn't do it. He knew it was coming, and and it was just, it was like. I don't know. It was an ugly fight. It was it was one of the, one of the worst ones. I well, it was the worst one I've had when I you know being you know, being there, and it was just it was it was my fault. Regardless of what happened and the injury I was suffering, it was still my fault. I could have got him out of there. I could have done better. But anyway, after that fight, I'm still battling this cold. Literally within a couple of weeks before I fought um, Dorian Darts, which was my last fight there, I I just started to cut, get over. It. You know what I mean? I just started to get over it. But man, it was like, just, my body was just, it was, it was just beat down, man. It was like one year of just nonstop with the exception of maybe a month in a, in a month and two or three weeks of, of just hard training all the time. It was like, there wasn't no, no, no mention of, of let's, let's just make this a maintenance uh, program here, but we're just kind of keeping things up. No, it was balls to the wall entire the entire time, and I respected it, but my body had started to break down, and um, so I ended up getting ready to go and fight um, Dorian Darch, and I'm you know at this point I'm just like man I just want to feel good, <laughs> you know what I mean I just want to get in there and be able to 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 perform you know in a in a in a in a in a, in a way that I can that can be respected. You know, by me and by you know Peter and all of us who were you know who were who were looking at it, but um, and yes, you know it, it, the fight turned out to be better. Obviously, you know Dorian Darts, no disrespect to him, but you know he wasn't where I was, you know, and and at, at that point in my career and where I was going. So you know he was expected to get beaten. I ended up stopping him. I think within was it four four rounds? Three. It should have been less. Than that, that was the fight where uh, you. <laughs> That they something went wrong with the audio and there was no ring walk music. Right, right, right. That's not the first. That's, that's, that's the first time I think that happened. Maybe, but um, yeah. And it was, it was, it was a good fight. It was a, a good experience. It was great. I did commentary again for uh, Chisora and Tyson fight too, the second one because that was actually the car where they actually fought was uh, Tyson and Chisora fought on that corner. So it was a, uh, it was a good night. You know what I mean? It, it it obviously could have been better. I could have performed better. The wrong way. I could have performed better, but um, uh, it was still not bad. It wasn't terrible. So, but um, the experience I had over there with those guys, you know, that will forever be remembered in my life and the history of my life. These guys, they were they were they treated me like I was a was a member of the family, and I was uh, and I'll be in you know forever grateful. For the experience and if i decide to fight again which i'm hoping i can soon um i'm just gonna be i'm, I'm, ju- I'm just gonna use i'm gonna and the thing is i've utilized a lot of the things i've learned there you know what i mean diet supplementation uh, uh uh just work ethic even though my work ethic was already good they took it to another level and now i understand me now you know helping train guys and you know things of that nature i have an understanding of what it is and what it takes to be a high-level athlete, not just being, you know, gifted skill-wise, like I was, you know, get was not, I don't want to say gifted, yeah, gifted. I say gifted, skill-wise and, and, and ability-wise, being able to do some of the things I was able to do without being in 
this kind of condition that I'm mentioning with the guy with with uh with the Fury guys. But now understanding what it really takes and how to get there, it's like I said, I'll be forever grateful, and uh, I'll always, always uh, uh, w- want to get. If I if I'm gonna go back and fight, I would like to be like that. So my desire now is to get to where I was at that point. It's not going to be easy. Obviously, I'm a bit older now, but uh, shit, I was older then. You know, the rest of the guys were 25 and, and around that time. So, you know, their ages were young. So, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a hell of an experience. I enjoyed the, the the UK people, the UK fans, man. Like I said, I've had more fanfare there than I've ever had here in the states, man. And and like I said, I'll 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 look back on I'll forever look back on that time as a great time in my history. Yeah, and like I say, the 2014 year for you was was a good year. Um, in total, you had five fights over here, four KOs, um, and yeah, it was just it was it was positive. It was a good thing. Um, I'm guessing next time we do this, because I think by the sounds of it, we're going to probably wrap this up. But the next time, or or I, I guess we could just discuss it if it's going to be brief. But I remember during that time you were over here, there was the the. Uh, half chance of quickly jumping on a plane and boxing for some version of the heavyweight world title. Do you want to do that next time or do you want to run into it now? I can tell you, it was just like a little side note. I didn't, I didn't have to mention that. That was actually, I want to say that was in the summer or no, that was right after I fought um, Moses Mutuvu, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that we got that call or that we found out that there was going to be a chance to fight maybe Ruslan Shikaev. And it was like, oh, because him and him and uh, Fresno Kendo had fell through because Fresno Kendo, for something, for some reason, couldn't make it uh, to the, uh, I don't know, to the fight. I don't know something happened to him, something with his blood work. I don't know what it was. And they said, and he and Peter knew a guy who knew a guy and said, hey, can you get us that fight? And it was literally 24 hours notice, maybe less. We were going to take a, a red eye flight, midnight, middle of the night. Get in the plane, get on, get on the plane, go over there to Russia, and try to grab that that title, you know, while we could. And we were willing to take it at that time. Like I said, I hit my stride. It would have been no good for him. He would have got dismantled. And I'm not saying that. You know how I am, Joey. I'm not one of those guys, but he would have got dismantled. He would have got taken apart. It badly too. Um. But he, I guess they realized that, and a lot of guys at that point had been watching us and seeing what we were doing and we really had to we had the back and forth thing with me and t- me and aj you know talking crap back and forth to each other while we were over there who we actually seemed to be a cool dude i had talked to him a little bit on twitter and he was like yo man let's try to make it make it for some time in the future when i when i start to get myself to to a, to a level that i can you know that i'm ready and i said cool you know what i mean so but with the whole chikayev thing that would have been oh to to, to all of a sudden just that quick snap of a finger, the heavyweight champion of the world, just on a on a on a on a on a freak a freak accident call. Or not, I don't say accident, or seeing that a fight fell through and and just being able and prepared at that moment to jump in and take take the reins and and, and possibly become heavyweight champ would have been it would have just been an awesome experience. Of course, you know, I would have hated the flight, but I would have loved the fight. You know what I'm saying? It would have been it would have been an opportunity of a lifetime. And to be able to say, okay, I finally got a title, you know what I mean? Up to that point, it was like, man, it would. I wish, I still look back on that time, and I wish I would have been able to do it. But things happened for a reason, and it just never had. It just didn't come through for me at the time. 
Yeah, the flight would have obviously been so much shorter that you were over here, though, <laughs> than it would have been if you got the call back home, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was way, way better prepared mentally and physically. So the flight, like I said, he would have he 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 had, a, had a hell of a time dealing with me at that time. At that moment. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So next time, and we're coming to the end, really, of the uh, of, of all the lockdown knockdowns, so I hope you've enjoyed them. Eddie has had to, you know, walk down memory lane, go in extreme depth for everyone. And, uh, you know, there's there's not really much that hasn't been said. This is all the ins and outs behind all these fights. We've gone over every single one. Just two to go. Next time it will be... Uh, yeah, it'll be probably the last time because it will just be two fights to mention uh, Galen Brown and then of course Eddie's last fight up to date Gerald Washington, we'll discuss those next time and obviously we'll discuss the reasons behind Eddie um, actually leaving the UK in the end because I don't actually know why uh, why you went back when you did, why you weren't here for longer, I don't really know that story we'll get into that though next time this has been another edition of the Lockdown, Knockdown, Eddie's very own segment. And the final thing to do just before we wrap everything up is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super featherweight prospect. It is, of course, Mr. Malik Warren. Malik, welcome to the show, my man. Hey, what's up, my guy? How you doing? All good, my friend. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. Excellent, Malik. It's great to have you on. So first things first, obviously you've only had a handful of pro fights, which means we have to go through each one of them, which I'm looking forward to doing. But Malik, firstly, you signed with Mayweather Promotions right out of the amateurs. Um, tell me how that happened for you. Uh, I don't know, man. I guess they just like the way I performed my first fight, you know what I mean? They didn't have no other questions. Okay, okay. And you turned pro, like like I say, in 2019, in July of that year against Devontae Macau and on the, on the Javante Davis Nunes undercard in Baltimore. Um, it's not just Javante's hometown, it's also your hometown. What was that like to turn pro, not only on a world title undercard, which many people don't manage to do, but in your hometown? I'm guessing you must have brought a crowd with you that night. Yeah, sir, it was, a, it was just great energy, man. Uh when I went out, Iceman went out, you know what I mean? It was just great energy with, all, with everybody there, you know what I mean? And in November of that year, you had your second fight, which took place this time in Vegas against Sean C. Perry. Um, tell me about that one. Uh, it was good, man. Um, uh, it was a great experience. I actually fought out in Atlanta. My third fight, my second fight, I fought out Vegas. But uh, with him, that was a good fight, man. He, oh, Chauncey Perry. You said Chauncey Perry? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was on Vegas. I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah, that was a great experience, man. I had not even been on Vegas before in my whole life. So that was just a great experience, just the experience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's a brilliant thing that you've done, because like I say, you turned pro on a world title undercard. Your second fight, you're fighting in Vegas. This is amazing things if you're going to go on to be the star you you, you want to be. Um, your third fight took place, obviously, in December, again of 2019, again on a world title undercard, on the undercard of Pascal and Jack, and of course, Davis and Gamboa. Um, this time, uh, you box an undefeated guy, 3-0. Travion Butts, tell me about that one, man. Your your most recent win. Uh, that was uh, I ain't gonna take away from the from the guy. He definitely had some power behind him, but that was you know what I mean easy money. I ain't gonna lie to you, straight easy money. And he said he was he was even gonna knock me out that fight too. But that was another great experience that I could get in. You know what I mean? Yeah. That I went through. And like we said, like we said. 
Malik. You know, you're 3-0 and now with three KOs. All three knockouts have come in the second round. Am I right in saying that your lucky number must be number two, surely? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's crazy, though, because my favorite basketball jersey number is number two. Wow. There you go. It's got to be your. It's got to be your lucky number. But Malik, obviously, you like the rest of us have been affected. I'm guessing by the by the coronavirus outbreak. You know, lifestyle stuff like that. Um, what kept you out for so long? Because, like we said, your, your last fight took, or all your fights took place in 2019. You've been out the ring uh, for about 13 months now. You didn't have a fight in 2020, like most people did. Um, what's 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 it been like for you, man? Uh, I just, you know, I had to go through a, a little, you know what I mean? Just had to go through something, you know what I mean? Everybody got to go through something in their career, you know, I don't care what you're doing. Just went through something, had a little bounce back, you know what I mean? But be back on in 2021. And I want to ask as well, during that time that everyone struggled, um, have you been able to, you know, to keep in the gym regularly? Are you able to, you know, stay around 130, which you were at, of course, before this all happened? Oh yes, sir. I'm going. To, yes, sir. Yeah, my next, my flight from February 20 will be at 1:30. Perfect. Yes, sir. That's no problem. Perfect. And that brings us on to February 20. Uh, it takes place, of course, in South Carolina. Uh, you'll be boxing Deron Merriwester. Um, what should we as fans, Malik, expect to see from you come Feb 20? Uh, just a whole bunch of sharpness. You know what I mean? Just you know what I mean? Hopefully sharper. Not even hopefully sharper than what my last three fights was. You know what I mean? I want to go out there and put on a show for the fans that have been waiting this long to see me. Yeah. And again, obviously you're coming off such a, you know, such a lengthy layoff because you had all those fights in quick, rapid succession, if you like. And, you you know, you're, you're, you're saying that we're going to see sharpness there, which is amazing because, again, that's the first thing that kind of goes when you've been a bit, you know, a bit rusty. You've been out the ring. So I'm looking forward to seeing you come back. Um, am I right in saying, Malik, as well, you've also got a date penciled in for, uh, for March 27th as well. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, and that's also in South Carolina. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no. I don't. I don't know where the uh, March twenty seventh one will be, but I doubt it'll be in South Carolina. Okay, okay. So two fights back to back. I'm happy about this because again, you had all those fights in a rapid succession. Then there was this big break. You know, it's it's normal. It's understandable. And you're back already with two fights lined up. I want to ask you, Malik, as well. Um, I know that you've you know you've been around the you know, a very a variety of different gyms, I should say. Um, who have you managed to get in the ring within the gym? I'm guessing you must have sparred some big names over the years. Um, I, you know, my, uh, shout out to Big Bro, uh, Javante Tank Davis. I got some rounds in with Lorenzo Simpson, Iceman Hawkins, uh, and different gyms. I got some work with uh, Jerron Ennis over the weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, Ota Jones, Team uh, Jefferson, um, well, there's been a couple, couple, couple heads, you know what I mean? Couple, couple heads over 2020 to keep me on my, uh, keep me sharp. That's amazing, man. That's a great, great list that you've just reeled off there. Uh, you say that you most recently sparred with Ennis. What was that like? It was a very good learning experience, man. I, it was a very good learning experience. Okay. I learned so much of a sparring, sparring, uh, the contender. Okay, yeah, and that's uh, no, that's great sparring. Like I say, Jerome Ennis is, is is a guy that everyone's very high on. Um, I want to ask you this as well, Malik. Who do you aspire to be like? Do you look up to anyone in particular? Is there perhaps another boxer that you look up to that you want to, you know, perhaps take notes out of his journey and um, you know use them for yourself moving forward? I used to look up. The, I used to be wanting to be like Javante Tank Davis so bad. <laughs> 
But now I just want to be myself, man. I want to be the first Malik King one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's 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 well said, man. I like that answer there. Um, I want to ask you as well. You're at one thirty. Obviously, you're still very, very. It's very, very early on in your career. You know, you're only twenty yourself. You've had those three fights, all three by KO in the second round. What are your thoughts on the? I don't want to jump too far ahead, but what are your thoughts on the champions right now at one thirty, Malik? Uh, I feel as though my face can be up there too. You know what I mean? I, I don't. Uh, I can't take nothing away from a champion. You know what I mean? But I definitely see myself up there with the greats or the belt holders, the, the title holders, and soon, soon in the future. Okay, my man, great stuff. And, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's, it's fantastic to have you on. We also had another Mayweather Promotions fighter on a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, Angelo Leo. It was great to have him on as well. I want to put you on the spot a little bit here, uh, coming down to the last kind of real question, Malik. And I'm really putting you on the spot here, actually. I should have warned you about this one. Everyone that we speak to, <laughs> everyone that we speak to from overseas, uh, the listeners of this show love to know their answer to this one. Who comes to mind when I ask... Who's your favorite fighter from the UK? Um, damn. That is a good question. From the UK, I would have to go with United Kingdom. Um, um, I honestly do not know, my guy. It's all good. It, who, uh, I, it's nothing coming up to my mind. That's why. Can you list, can you list some fighters from the UK? Yeah, so, I know Anthony Joshua was Yeah, one. yeah, of course. He's yeah. a good... He's a, He's a pretty good fighter too, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've got you've got you've got Anthony Joshua. There's a bunch of guys from history. You're only young. You're only twenty. But out of the current guys, I mean, okay, let's stick with with Anthony Joshua. There's also Tyson Fury up there. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Yeah, I like Tyson. Yep. Who's yep, your man yep, out of yep, those sir. two? <laughs> I got Tyson Fury, man. Okay. <laughs> why? Why do you think? Yeah. Why? Why you got him in that one? He's too exclusive, man. You know what I mean? He's just too exclusive. I feel as though he's just, that's just definitely going to be his night. Uh, okay, we look forward to seeing it. Hopefully it happens. Hopefully it happens. We'd, we'd love to see it. Uh, myself and you, of course. And just finally, Malik, before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners, I'm sure there's going to be guys over here listening to this who are going to start you know, wanting to jump on this bandwagon because I can say it myself, this is a journey that everyone listening to me right now should want to be involved in. What is your message to your, you know, to your fans, to your future fans over here? And also, let them know where to follow you as well on social media. Okay, uh, I would like to tell the fans, if you support me, I fight for you. You know what I mean? Uh, 100%, you know what I mean? But uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at LeakTheBoxer, L-E-A-K-T-H-E-B-O-X-E-R. And on Twitter, it's the same thing, LeakTheBoxer, with two, L-E-A-K-T-H-E-B-O-X-E-R. The number two. Yeah, that that again, I will repeat that. That's L-E-A-K, Leak, The, which is obviously T-H-E, and then Boxer, B-O-X-E-R, two. So you can follow Malik there on Instagram and Twitter. Listen, Malik, I wish you the absolute best of luck for the future. Thank you so much for your time and coming on this podcast. And I hope again uh, that we can speak at some point in the near near future, in the not-too-distant future, my friend. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
Okay, and this wraps up episode 277 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the reigning WBO Super Featherweight World Champion, Jamel Herring, and the undefeated Super Featherweight prospect, Malik Warren. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thank you once again for listening to this week's podcast. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.